Uh, And now we're ready for the next chapter in this word. Um, You know the Bible is a chapter book, don't you? Uh, I don't mean just the mechanical dividing up of a of a book into into chapters like Luke chapter 24. I, I'd forgotten about that language until just a few weeks ago. Um, we have, by the way, 11 grandchildren. This is the wonderful family that God has given us. Last week, Sandy and I were away for the graduation of our oldest grandchild from college. But then on the other end of the spectrum, just a few weeks ago, uh, our Son, Will, was here to visit with us, worshiped with us on Easter. And in, in conversation, you know, with the four-year-old Geneva, um, we were asking about the books that they were reading. And she uh, named a book that she and her dad were reading together, and then she looked up with a big smile, and she said, It's a chapter book. And those of you raising kids know that that's a, that's a big step when you go from just kind of little ABC stuff to simple stories to graduate to the point where the kids are actually following the plot and they remember it from day to day and they're excited to get to the next chapter. And they really do comprehend what's gone on before. Well, you, we need to appreciate that this is, in fact, what we have in the Bible that the whole of the book is one grand story made up, of course, of many smaller stories, but it all hangs together. It's all of a piece, beginning with God creating the world and saying it's good, and then the fall of man into sin, and then the whole unpacking of God's preparing the way for the coming of the Redeemer. And that Redeemer, of course, is God's own Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we've just been celebrating the, the uh, wonderful stories of his, um, well, of his death and his resurrection and, and the accounts of, of incidents that surround Christ's death and resurrection. But we must not think of that as the end of the story. We're ready for the next chapter. If you, if you were away last week, I want to encourage you to listen to Dwayne's uh, sermon as he told us the incident of those disciples who were going fishing. I mean, basically they said, hey, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'm, I am pretty amazed that Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, that's good. Let's go back to work. Let's go back to life as usual. And the Lord had to pursue them and say, no, no, we're ready for the next chapter. And uh, that's where we are today. That's the next series of messages that will be coming uh, over, really, from now until the day of Pentecost, and then looking a little bit beyond that. Because the next chapter is, is the mission. What Jesus accomplished in his death and resurrection is indeed the crossroads point of human history. Nothing is the same because Christ has come into the world about 2,011 years ago. Every time you write a check, you remind yourself, 2,011 years ago, history changed and nothing can take us back to where it was before. And there's a certain irony in this all over the world. Our Muslim friends... 
who may hate the name of Jesus, but if they're going to do business in this world, what do they have to write? 2011. They have a calendar. Most of us don't know about it. And in fact, even in the Muslim world, they'll tell you about the calendar. But but the fact is, when our departed friend Osama bin Laden decided to destroy the, the trade centers, he dated it September 11th, 2011. The year of our Lord, 2001, excuse me. And if you're an atheist here this morning, I'm sorry. But when you get your paycheck this week, it's going to say on it, 2011 years ago, something happened that has changed the history of the world. And you may scoff at it, you may thumb your nose, you may say it's indifferent, but you can't change history, friends. This is a different world because of something that happened 2011. And 11 years ago. And every single time we write down a date, we remind ourselves. This world is a different place. Radically different because Jesus Christ has come into the world. But that's not the end of the story. Okay? Turn the page for the next chapter. Because now, Jesus is coming to those who confess him, who call themselves his followers... And says basically to us, okay, folks, are you ready? No, you can't go back to fishing. I'm sorry. Yeah, you may be a fisherman. You know what I mean. That's okay. That's important. But the dominating principle of your life, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, is that we're on a mission. And the mission is to change the world. Nothing you or I could possibly conceive of even comes close to the mission given to us by Jesus Christ himself, the risen Christ, to change this world and to see it come under the lordship and reign of Christ. And that's, my friends, where we are this morning. And I want to put that before you. When I went and read this passage, I found the three things that we have going for us. Because, in fact, this is mission impossible. I mean, I know you've got to be saying to yourself, I certainly did as I was contemplating what's before us, you've got to be kidding. Me? Change the world? I can't even change myself. If you're a parent, you're saying I'm having trouble changing a diaper. And I'm supposed to change the world? Well, yes. And, and, and that's, what's, that's what's in front of us. And that's what we'll talk about. Actually, for the next three weeks, I'm going to kind of hammer on you a little bit about this today. Steve Huber is going to come in, and you know Steve is going to talk about the same thing, which we have invited him to do. And then Dwayne gets his crack at you a couple of weeks after that. But, But we really need to hear again and again, because it took a long time for these disciples to figure it out, right? And it all leads up to the day of Pentecost, which I think, as a church, we need to learn to celebrate as much as we celebrate uh, Christmas, Good Friday, Easter. Because Pentecost is the day when Jesus keeps his promise to send the Holy Spirit upon his church 
to go out and do the mission. It, it, it cannot be an accident when you study the whole Hebrew system of feasts that Pentecost in the Jewish calendar represented the beginning of the harvest. So the Lord says, come together, celebrate what they call the Feast of First Fruits. Because what it's saying is, this is the beginning of something beyond imagination. And that's what's, that's what's before us as we contemplate the mission of Jesus. Well, but before I actually sort of spell out, and I'm not going to take a lot of time to do them, but I, I want to spell out those three things that are here in the passage. But I, I guess I want to just stop and make sure that, that we really are on board with this. That when you think about those disciples gathered in the upper room, hearing Jesus say, now folks, it's time to go, there is in your heart something that says, yeah, that's me. We've got to buy into this if we call ourselves followers of Jesus. And let me say that as well for those of you who are just sort of still beginners, if you want to call yourselves. You're, you're, you may not even call yourself a believer yet, but you're here. You're with people who follow Jesus, and there's a reason for that. Something's drawing you. But you've got to know, coming into this whole thing, this is going somewhere. The very first guys who heard the call of Jesus, they're just a nice bunch of fishermen sitting around repairing their nets. And Jesus walked up to them. And there probably is more to the story, but Mark, the gospel, Mark who wrote the gospel, doesn't tell us about it. He just has Jesus walking up to these four guys mending their nets, and he says, follow me. And they did. But he didn't just say, follow me. He said, follow me, what? And I will make you fishers of men. Okay. And, and don't get cute with all the stuff about how to, th and how to do fishing and all that stuff. It simply says they're fishermen. That is, their life is given over to catching fish. We've got a whole new mission in which your life is given over to working with people. That's, that's simply the idea. This is, what, this is what Jesus' kingdom mission is all about. In fact, let me just put this another way before we get back into the passage. You just prayed with me. Thy kingdom come, right? Did you mean it? And the way I understand the Lord's Prayer, when you pray, Thy kingdom come, what you are asking for is, Thy will be done, where? On earth, even as it is already done in heaven. God rules absolutely in heaven, and and the kingdom is about God saying, yes, and I rule on the earth too. And we're going to see that actually happen. And it began with the coming of Jesus into the world. But that's the beginning. That's not the end. 
And when you and I pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're really also, I believe, offering ourselves to be instruments of that kingdom as it comes. Now, that's huge. I know it. But I just want us to say, I don't feel adequate, but I do have to acknowledge that's my calling. Then you, by the way, prayed, give us this day our daily bread. And and that has to do with the day-by-day concerns that all of us have. Literally, in many cases, what are you going to eat? And and health. And where are you going to live? And where are you going to work? Those are daily bread issues. And don't diminish how important they are. Because Jesus says, pray them as part of your ongoing prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. But what do you pray for first? Thy kingdom come. That's not an accident. And in fact, our Lord said, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be taken care of as well. So, my friends, I call us all. I don't think this is something new. I don't think this is something you haven't heard before. This is what liberty has been all about. One of the things that I've admired so much about the church, the whole outward-looking face of this church. And so I'm here to exhort you to keep doing what you've been doing. I'm not saying do something not new, but just to remind ourselves, because we constantly need that reminder that this is the calling that the Lord Jesus gave us. Well, come back to the passage with me. And I'm simply going to read through with you what is here. So reopen your Bibles if you need to, or take out the the uh, the uh, weekly bulletin, or look at your look at your Bibles with me. But it's very important that you follow along in this text as we just simply walk through it. Here is another appearance of the Lord Jesus following his resurrection. Now, Duane actually took us forward uh, uh, several weeks with his study of Thomas and then his study of Peter. We need to sort of backtrack a little bit because this most likely happened uh, the, the evening of that first resurrection day because uh, people rushed to the disciples, gathered in the room, and tell about Jesus meeting the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. That's the context that we, we take up here. As they were talking about these things, verse 36, verse 36, please follow. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace, peace to you, shalom. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And look at the line in verse 41. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. That kind of caught my attention. Uh, they, they were still disbelieving and yet they were joyful. How does that work? 
Now, you need to know, one of the ways I get help is that on Tuesday, uh, at the beginning of our staff meeting, we read this scripture every week, and we talk together about what it could mean. And um, so I don't mind telling you that it was Rachel who looked at this passage and said, you know what, at least, Rachel, uh, I don't want to misquote you. I think this is the way I, what I took away from it. What you have here is, is the head and the heart are out of sync. Right? So in their heads, they're saying, this can't be. But something in their heart says, it's Jesus. He's with us. And so this is how you can disbelieve and yet be full of joy. And what does the Lord do? Now, this is Jeff's contribution. He said, isn't this cool? Instead of kind of giving us a theological affirmation, he eats a piece of fish. (laughs) Now, what more human act could there be than just taking a piece of fish and eating it? But it's really a way of saying, no, I am alive. This is me physically with you. And that really opens to to us as I was reviewing this passage. I don't think I've seen it quite this way before, but, but let me identify for you, as disciples sitting in that room, maybe ten or so, possibly a few more, shaken in their boots, wondering what in the world is going on, and they're about to be told, go change the world got to be kidding. But here's what we have going for us, folks. This is why I say, yeah, take that seriously. Because you, first of all, have the risen Christ. Isn't that what's right here? And, and that, that continues. The Lord Jesus Christ is risen. That's not a fact of history. That's a fact of the present and I don't know where, where along the line, because I've obviously thought about this whole question of the mission that God has called put us on, but it suddenly dawned on me, and I, you've heard this before, um, it's not new, but I'm very thick, and it takes me a while to figure stuff out. But, but somewhere along the line, I, I realized that what we're called to is not to do a mission for Jesus. But the fact of the matter is, it's Jesus himself who's doing the mission. This is his mission. He's doing it. And we get to kind of come along. We're we're his hands and feet. But it's the mission of Jesus. Now, that has made a big difference for me. Maybe it doesn't hit you quite the same way it did me, but it's been huge. And, And there's some... Just simple passages that have, that have kind of taught me that. One is a passage that actually Steve is going to be preaching on next week from the Gospel of Luke, Part 2. Now, we call it the Book of Acts, but that's really what Acts is. It is Luke who wrote this, this Gospel, kind of taking it the next step. Because the very first verse, the very first verse of Acts, says this, In my former letter, talking about the Gospel of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus, and here's what it says, you can check this out, 
I wrote to you about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And often we divide the ministry up into ministry of the word and ministry of the deeds. But the, but the, the language of Acts is, I wrote to you about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, the fact is, Luke tells us the whole life of Jesus, all the way up even to the ascension. None of the other Gospels tell us all the details about the birth of Jesus and the Virgin Mary and the coming of John the Baptist. And and the longest of all the Gospel records is Luke. And he takes us even up to the point of Jesus ascending to heaven, as we just read. But how does he label it? This is what Jesus began to do and to teach. What is, what, is, what is the second part of his history then going to be about? What Jesus continues to do and to teach. But who's he talking about? He's talking about the church. One of the other affiliations, by the way, that we have at Liberty is that we are part of Acts 29. Now, I'm sure most of you figured it out, but let me just point out to you, how many chapters are there in the book of Acts that we're going to be looking at starting next week? Anyone know offhand? 28. 28 chapters. And so obviously, what is Acts 29 all about? What happens after the end of the book of Acts? What happens in an ongoing sense? What happens today? In the Great Commission, as it's called, when Jesus in Matthew comes to his disciples, really at a later date, but it's very similar, but he's, you've heard it, uh, I suspect, many of you. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And behold, this is very striking. Behold, I am with you, even to the end of the world. Now, we know, in fact, he's going to give the Holy Spirit, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. But as he gives the commission to his church, he makes a point of saying, I am with you. Friends, this is Jesus at work. One of the other texts that has so powerfully changed me on this thing is a simple statement he makes in Matthew chapter 16 as he's talking about where, why he's come. And he says, on this rock, I will build my church. And he's doing it. Jesus is building his church and he's right on schedule. Think about it. Here in this room, there are these 10 or so quaking disciples. You fast forward just a few weeks and you have the day of Pentecost when the Spirit comes upon those fearful disciples and all of a sudden 3,000 people have lined up to be baptized. Turn a few more pages and it's 5,000. But you've got to multiply that because most of the original 3,000 have gone home. They're foreigners. So this is 5,000 in the church in Jerusalem. And on and on and on it continues. And the, and the movement of Jesus Christ into this world hasn't looked back. We today 
Do you understand? Are living in the greatest day of the expansion of the kingdom of Jesus Christ in the history of the church. Right now as we speak. And Liberty, you're part of it. Elizabeth Crispin's folks, Bill and Mary, just got back from China. Perhaps the greatest story, really, almost in the history of the church, is what's going on right now as we speak in China. I mean, I think we have here at Liberty about 15 home groups, which I think is wonderful. What Bill told us yesterday at Presbytery is that in his network alone, where he goes in one city of China that spreads out through the country, there are 150,000, not people, but 150,000 home groups. They took some material that he's reproducing, and they made 150,000 copies. I love what he said. He said, they haven't learned that yet that you have to say, we can't do that. They don't know what that means. One estimate he mentioned, you can't count these things, but he said there may be as many believers in China today as there are people in the United States of America. And the Chinese themselves have formed a mission board called Back to Jerusalem, simply as a symbol of the fact that the gospel seems to be going around the world, right? It started in Jerusalem and then moved on into, well, not just Europe. It went into Asia, too. The Apostle Thomas may have gotten to India in those early days. But the gospel kind of took over Europe. And, yeah, there's all sorts of problems and difficulties and struggles and mess-ups, for sure. But then the gospel kept going into this country and kept on going as the, into South America. And, of course, it spread early on into Africa and now uh, has a huge impact in Africa. And then on to the Far East. We met a man yesterday. I get excited about this. I better watch my time here. But we met a we met a man in Presbytery yesterday. I got to tell you the story, though. He's from Kajikistan. Or, no, no, I'm sorry, Kyrgyzstan. I'm sure you would have caught me on that. You know where Kyrgyzstan is? It's right next to Uzbekistan and Tajikistan. I've got to get his name straight. Because um, he actually worshipped with us here on Easter Sunday. I didn't realize it until we, we got acquainted. Um, Kalinovsky is his, is his last name. A Russian man growing up in a communist home came to faith in Christ through reading a, a, really a, a kind of a comic version of the Bible as a teenager Nurtured by Baptist folks who probably had gone to, to uh, Kyrgyzstan through uh, Russia. Was, was really brought and nurtured for the ministry by a Presbyterian institute and training center. But you know who the, who the man who headed it up was? He'd come from Korea. He's a Korean Presbyterian. A Russian living in Kyrgyzstan, discipled by a Korean, now coming to Philadelphia to be a missionary. Don't you love it? This is the kingdom of God today. It's not us imperial Westerners taking the gospel to those poor benighted souls out there in Central Asia. But the people of Central Asia saying, God has laid it on my heart to come to Philadelphia. 
to bring the gospel to you. And I hope we say amen, thank you. Because this is the way the gospel is working today. It's not kind of, the lines are not out there, it's crisscross. And it's wonderful, and this is a very exciting day in which to be a believer. Well, excuse me for getting off the track, but the fact is, this is Jesus doing it. I mean, none of us could step back and say, oh man, I was so good at this. It's Jesus who's doing it. The second thing that that comes out of this passage, and let me move along here, but I want you to notice that not only do we have the risen Christ, but we have the living scripture. Verse 44, let me get back to reading the passage. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, that really is the way in which the Old Testament, as we call it now, was divided up. So it's the same book that we have today, but we've had, we have more. We have what we call the New Testament. Verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This is key. Some of the greatest Bible scholars today who know the Bible upside down and backwards, in the end, don't believe it. It's just a wonderful ancient book. So how do you come to the place of really understanding the Scripture? You come to the risen Christ. And it's in Christ that the Bible opens up for you. And so he opened their mind to understand the Scripture and said to them, verse 46, Thus it is written that the Christ, that is the Messiah, should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And, now this caught my attention, because not only prophecies of the coming and death and resurrection of Christ, but the whole plan is part of what has been written in the Scripture. That repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. So the Bible itself bears witness that this is God's eternal plan from the beginning. What's going on right now? The gathering into the harvest is the work of God. You are witnesses beginning in Jerusalem. That's important. Because that leads really to the third thing that we have going for us, if you keep reading. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now, as we learn more, you'll realize that this reference to the promise is the coming of the Holy Spirit. Not in the sense that the Holy Spirit had a beginning. It's eternally the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But the Spirit will come in a new sense on the day of Pentecost to empower the church to carry out this ministry, which, by the way, is exactly what God did for his son Jesus. The Spirit came upon Christ at his baptism. And so you'll see language of baptism referring to the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so the disciples at this stage are told, wait. But Jesus has kept his promise. With all due respect to our Pentecostal Brothers, Pentecost has happened. The Spirit has come upon the church. We do have the power in the name of the risen Christ 
and with the living scripture to go forth and make a difference in this world in which we live. Friends, I don't mean to say we can do it, but I'm saying the job can be done, will be done, is being done. And the challenge to you and me as a congregation is not Jesus saying, well, you know, I'd like to get this great mission that I have in mind underway, but I need your cooperation. I'll do my part if you'll do your part. That's not what's going on here, is it? Jesus is at work. And the challenge to any church is to make, in a sense, a decision. Are we going to sort of be off on the corner playing our little church games while the kingdom moves on? Or are we going to say, Lord, I don't feel worthy, but I want to be part of what you're doing right here in this community, right here in this world, right in this city, right in this world? It means absolute necessity of continually casting ourselves at the feet of Jesus meeting with Christ, being renewed in the Holy Spirit. And that really brings us to this time of communion. So I said before, communion has so many different layers, so many different meanings. But this morning, in a particular way as we come, would you say, Lord, let me, in my home, in my workplace, in my school, let me be an instrument of your kingdom. Let liberty as a church be an, intro, an integral part of what you're doing in this city. Holy Spirit, come and fill us with your power. And what a gift we have week after week after week to remind ourselves of the source of it all, and that is the risen Christ. This is our calling, folks. And I just want to bring us back to the fact that we're moving on. We celebrate the risen Christ, but now we follow him. Yeah, to see a world different. It can be done. It will be done. It is being done. May God let us be part of what he's doing. Let's pray. Lord, I confess to you, uh, even as I say these words, I feel almost a sense of kind of raw, raw cheerleader. And I, I, I can't even bring myself to say, yes, we can do it. But I thank you for the, for the living scripture that tells us Jesus is doing it. Jesus is building his church. It's, it's happened right here at Liberty. But now, Lord, we don't want to stop here. We want to see that kingdom move on into this community, out through our lives personally. And so we want to dedicate ourselves again to the high calling that you've given us in Christ and celebrate now this wonderful, wonderful meal that you've given us as a way of coming back to the source of power, to be renewed, to be strengthened, find all that we need and and, and could ever ask for in the person of Jesus himself, in whose name we pray. Amen.